Welcome, everyone, to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space, a lush, sustainable, and inspiring co-working space in Westchester, Pennsylvania. We are currently living online, as most people are, so we have our online community, and we've now launched our Flourish We Grow Together podcast. I'm here with Lindsay and Casey. Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. I'm Casey, the community manager of Flourish. And we are so, so excited to be talking today to Amanda Jefferson. Amanda is a certified KonMari consultant and owns Indigo Organizing. We are so excited to dive into talking about living in joy, which I think is going to be the central theme of today. So Amanda, we'd love for you to introduce yourself. Awesome. Hi, everybody. I'm Amanda Jefferson. Um, I am the owner of Indigo Organizing. And essentially, I help busy people declutter and simplify their lives at home and at work. So I spend a lot of time talking to groups about how to simplify. And I also spend a lot of time working with clients one-on-one to um, help them simplify their lives. So I'm really happy to be here today and dive into all things productivity and KonMari and simplicity. I love that. We are so, so excited. Could you give some background like about what your career path has looked like? Where did you start? What inspired you to start doing the work that you're doing now? Sure. So I've been pretty blessed to have a pretty fun and exciting career So um, before I began this business. So um, I, let's see, I'm going to date myself, but I've been in, um, <laughs> I have had about a 20-year career. I worked in international agencies in D.C. right out of college and focused a lot on education and social impact. Um, I lived in South America for a couple of years. I did this really cool MBA program um, that was out of Tulane, and it was in Spanish and English. Um, My husband is actually Chilean, so after living there for two years, I imported him and brought him back here with me. Uh Um, And then um, I worked at Wharton. for a couple or for about five years doing designing programs for leaders around the world. And then most recently, I was the head of a nonprofit in Philadelphia working to build um, resilience in young people. So the big theme kind of throughout my life has always been education and social impact. Um, And what led me to this work was that, um, you know, I just sort of my career caught up with me and I had a little one at home and I was feeling pretty overwhelmed and burnt out like a lot of people are today. And I selfishly just needed to simplify and I wanted to help other people do the same. So I can tell you more about kind of how that all happened. But yeah, I, I was really excited to be able to have done all those cool things, but it's really great now to be working on my own. That's incredible. I, as an entrepreneur, would love to hear you talk more. I think a lot of people know the KonMari method with respect to decluttering their home, and you've talked a couple times about decluttering your life, which I think is a really interesting application of the KonMari method. What did you learn and what did you seek out to learn about decluttering your life from the KonMari method? Yeah, I mean, the really interesting thing about KonMari and why I think it helped to change the conversation, because I mean, organizing has been around for decades, you know, it's not a new thing. But I think the the conversation became so uh, it became much more fresh when she really started talking about it around this focus of joy and not focusing on you have to get rid of all of your stuff, but really focusing on what is it that energizes you, what lights you up, what makes you happy, and then learning how to let go of the rest. So that's what I work with a lot when I talk to people is, yes, we're decluttering your home. That's sort of like the foundation of where we're starting, but it is much more just about decluttering your life in general and simplifying your life in general by figuring out what lights you up? What are your favorite things? And how can we shape a life so that you do much more of that? And so that you can, you know, let all the other things fall away. So it is very much, it's much more holistic and so much more interesting than just talking about the home. 
And for people who aren't familiar with the KonMari method, could you just give like a brief explanation? So um, the word KonMari comes from um, the author of uh, her first book was The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and her name is Marie Kondo. So KonMari comes from her first and last name switched. Um, That's kind of her nickname is KonMari. And she wrote this book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up that came out in 2014. And like I said, it really kind of took the world by storm. It was a really different way of thinking about organizing between that and um, her subsequent books that came out. Um, She sold over 10 million copies worldwide. It's been translated into a hundred and something different languages. Um, And so she really sort of popularized this idea of sparking joy. Um, And it's gotten even more popular um, recently because last year she um, hosted a Netflix show where she went into the homes of eight families in Los Angeles um, and helped them to simplify their lives. And um, word on the street is that there's another season coming out um, at some point soon. So um, yeah, so that's a little bit uh, what Kamari is. That's I think exciting. That that, yeah, that is so amazing. It's funny because I typically work from home right now anyways, and a lot of my girlfriends have been asking like, oh, what are some work from home tips? And I've been telling them, set your space. Like the very first thing that you do in order to get yourself in a good flow is to set up your space because that really dictates what your day looks like. Like if you have a messy space, then it kind of trickles into your work day And it's like your work day is messy because your space is messy. So do you think that this applies to people's business and their lives as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like um, one of my favorite authors is Gretchen Rubin, and she talks all about happiness and productivity. And she has a really great podcast called The Happier Podcast. And she has a book that came out pretty recently that was called Outer Order, Inner Calm. And I think that's so true. You know, a lot of times, like what my house looks like is what my brain feels like. (laughs) So if it feels really cluttered and chaotic, or if my workspace feels really cluttered and chaotic, um, that's how you feel inside. Or if your calendar is really cluttered and you feel like you don't own your time and you're just running to meeting after meeting or phone call after phone call or dance recital after dance recital for your kids, you find yourself sitting back and being like, how did I even get myself into all of this stuff? You kind of feel like your house controls you or your schedule controls you or your work controls you. Whereas like you said, even if you just do the simple act of clearing your desk, it's like, I'm in control. I have a clear space. My mind can think. Um, So absolutely. That's a great example. That's amazing. And I'm wondering too, because I keep on thinking about applying this to other places Like, could people, so yes, people can apply it to their homes, people can apply it to their lives. Can people apply this type of framework to their business too? So looking at their own business, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs that come through Flourish, um, and I'm wondering if, if they could look at their businesses and think, what are the parts of my business that are bringing me joy, and what are the parts that aren't sparking that joy for me? Can they get rid of those parts so, like, you have control over what clients you are taking on, like that you mesh well, that you want to work with. And your business is kind of, you create this business that you like, everything brings you joy. Do you think that there's an aspect that you can apply that? And how would someone do that? Absolutely. This is like one of my favorite topics. In fact, she her newest book that I think today is the release date, um, if I'm not mistaken, so I'm hoping to get it on my doorstep any minute, is actually called Joy at Work. And so the whole book is about how to apply this concept. And she wrote it with um, you know, an entrepreneur and productivity expert. So absolutely. But the one, um, so I'm super excited for all of that to come out and be able to share all the great nuggets from that book. But the, the one piece that I've used as an entrepreneur and that I share with other entrepreneurs all the time is this concept of sort of fun and easy. So it's taking that idea of does it spark joy and changing the question to is it fun and easy like when I was about a year into my business I found myself feeling pretty overwhelmed with all of the shoulds right like I should be on LinkedIn I should be on Instagram I should figure out stories I should do Twitter I should have a podcast I should have a YouTube channel and I just sort of stripped it all back and asked myself you know what I'm the boss what is fun and easy for me what do I really enjoy doing And I just started going all in on those things and figuring out how to let the others go. So I actually even did um, a really fun worksheet for a group of entrepreneurs that I'm happy to share with you all to put in your show notes, where you actually go down section by section 
um, my products and services, my marketing, my networking, and you list out, is it fun and easy, which is another way of saying, does it spark joy? And if it doesn't, how can you apply one of my favorite tools, um, which is called the 4Ds, which was um, pioneered by Julie Morgenstern, a professional organizer. How can you diminish, defer, delete, delegate those things so that you can really strip it down to the core? So absolutely, that's like my funnest topic to talk about is, is um, how entrepreneurs can tap more into that fun and easy spark joy. I really like that idea too, just because I think when you are doing more things that are fun and easy to you, I think that that's a reflection in the work that you're putting out. Like if you're going to be doing a YouTube channel and it doesn't seem, it's not fun and easy to you, then that's going to reflect in your work too. So I think that's such an important point for people to understand in their business, like, you know, flow towards those things that are fun and easy, because those are the things that you're really going to excel at naturally without having to put in all this like crazy extra effort, you know? Absolutely. It creates this really great virtuous cycle. Like I speak a lot. For example, I do a lot of public speaking because I really love it. Like I get into such a zone and the flow, I could stand up on that stage all day long. And I get a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, I hate public speaking, but I feel like it's important. I should do it. I'm like, you don't have to, you know, maybe you're a brilliant writer and that's what really lights you up. Like, don't, yes, I think that in life we need to push ourselves and challenge ourselves and get out of our comfort zone. But like you said, if you're, if it's like pulling teeth and you're having a terrible time up there, the people that are with you are going to feel that energy. And so I, I totally agree. That's awesome. I do have a question So obviously we want to focus on surrounding ourselves with things that spark joy. What about, so for your business or for your home, like what if your washing machine doesn't spark you joy or what if financial planning doesn't spark you joy, but these are things that are necessities. What would you tell someone when they're thinking about those type of things? Yeah, I get that question all the time, especially when we get into, um, KonMari. So in KonMari, there's five categories. And um, so the first is clothing. The second is books. The third is paper. So that's kind of like that financial planning that we're talking about. The fourth is kimono, which is like miscellaneous. And then the last is sentimental. So in that fourth category, kimono, miscellaneous, people always ask me that question, like, well, my can opener doesn't spark joy or, you know, but I actually wrote a blog post the other day that was like, yes, toilet paper can spark joy. Like I have a, well, actually these days, for a lot of people. Yeah, right. That's very open. But a couple of months ago, before toilet paper was all the rage, I was talking <laughs> about this company I've just fallen in love with. They're hysterical. Their name is um, Who Gives a Crap? And they have like toilet paper delivery right to your door. And it's in like this um, really fun, kitschy wrapping and it's 100% recycled. And I'm like, that's a great, cool company. Like my toilet paper sparks joy. Or like just this morning in the shower, I was looking at my new razor. I'm using this Billy razor and it sparks so much joy for me. Like it just, it does a great job. And um, that sparks joy. So a lot of times things like um, that spark joy for us because they do a really good job. Like you might have in your kitchen four spatulas, but you three of them you never use because they don't work very well, right? But that one spatula that you do use, it does a great job for you. So that's kind of an example of something can spark joy because it, it, it really fulfills its purpose well. Um, when you mentioned financial planning, when we kind of get into papers and bills and things like that, what doesn't spark joy is not knowing that you have bills due or having um, not knowing what your financial picture is or having a mound of papers that you want to scan, but you have no idea how to scan. So what does spark joy is being on top of those things, you know, having the peace of mind. Um, and so um, that's what I think about when I think about like, does everything have to spark joy? It's not like, you know, your can opener makes you want to like run through a field, field of daisies <laughs> that it does. It's so, right. So sometimes it's not so much about the item as it's, the why. Correct. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. And like you've said, I think that being more conscious about our purchases and finding those items that are in our everyday, but that speak to us more than the norm does enhance our quality of life and enjoyment of life. And I'm sure that you get a little chuckle every single time that you pick up that toilet paper. I know exactly what you're talking about because I have seen it and love it. And it gives you a sense of happiness just picking it up. And it's something that you do every day. And so thinking 
how we can incorporate more intentional decisions in our everyday life is something that helps you spark joy in your life too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I sort of talk to people about how going forward, you really will become more of like a curator of special things. You know, it's not like you're just bringing all these random things into your home, into your life willy nilly. You're going to have a much higher bar for what you bring in and you're going to want it to work a lot harder for you. Like, especially with clothing, I really encourage people to buy higher quality, fewer higher quality clothes and sustainable brands if they can. Because those clothes are just, they're going to spark a lot more joy for you. They're going to be much more high quality. They're going to wash better. You're going to get more compliments on them. They're going to be the right color for you. Um, And so, yeah, absolutely. Investing in pieces that you can enjoy um, daily and that are going to work really hard for you in your life. I like the um, idea of, you know, you were just talking about clothing. And I know you had posted something on your Instagram that I really liked where you were saying, you know, if you're out shopping and you say, oh, this is cute. (laughs) You know, that's kind of a sign that you shouldn't get it, right? Because- Oh, I loved this. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Yeah, because there's a spectrum, right? There's like, you know, oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing. Like I would, you know, save this scarf from a burning building versus like, uh, (laughs) versus like, oh, I hate this. I put it on every single time I put it on, I take it off. Like it's terrible, like take it away right away. But in the middle, there's a lot of these like, it's fine, it's cute it's fine. Right. And a lot of times when we're shopping, this is cute. Right. But, um, one of my favorite questions is, would you wait in line 30 minutes for that? Um, this really great woman that I follow online called Sarah Von Bargen that talks a lot about, um, financial planning and her, the way she talks about financial planning actually does spark a lot of joy, but would you wait in line 30 minutes for that? And a lot of times we wouldn't, right. We're just kind of like, Oh, this is cute. Why not? Um, So I'm really encouraging people to be a lot more thoughtful and really pushing themselves closer to that side of the scale where it's like, oh, this is the perfect piece. I have been waiting for this. This is going to go with a million things. It's going to either make my life easier or, you know, so versus like, "Ah, why not? It's cute. Right. So we want to try to stay away from that sort of middle of the road decisions. That's super interesting. One thing that I've done recently, and we have a workshop on financial, um, wellness coming up next week, something that I think often about is I pause in the middle of a purchase and come back to it if I come back to it a couple days later and I'm still thinking about it, then I might purchase it. And sometimes I will leave something in the cart for months and see how many times I come back to that same purchase before I end up purchasing it. Because I went through a long phase of my life where I used to be very instantaneously gratified in that I would order something on Amazon and by the time that it would come to me two days later, I would forget I had (laughs) ordered it because the need that I had in that moment for whatever it was, I had already solved in that two days. Yeah, I think that's really common. Um, I think it's really common for us to get that box on the front stuff like, wait, what was that again? And um, I think uh, that's kind of a positive byproduct of what's happening right now is that we all are really having to choose to be much more careful about what we're purchasing because we know that, you know, whatever we buy, a delivery person that's kind of out there on the front lines is going to have to bring it to us or we have to ask ourselves the question, is this really an essential product? And so, um, yeah, I love that strategy of saying like, oh yeah, I do want this, but you know, if I come back to it again in 24 hours, do I still want it? Okay. How about if I wait another day? I think that's brilliant. So I, you said, um, you know, would you wait in line 30 minutes for this? What are, you know, if someone's cleaning out their closet or if someone is thinking about purchasing something, is there another two tips you could give them just as to run through in their mind as something, you know, to kind of double check whether it's something that they absolutely need or that it really like truly sparks joy? Yeah. When I'm in somebody's closet, um, we pay a lot of attention to, I say a lot of times the question is the answer. So um, I usually can tell right away by somebody's facial expression, um, but they kind of need to work it out a little bit. So they'll start asking me questions like, is this out of style? Is this too short? Does this look pilled to you? Is this a bad color on me? And I usually just sort of cock my head like a little dog. <laughs> look at them, And they're like, 
I know, I know. The question is the answer. Like if I have to ask, is it out of style? If I have to ask, is it too short? It's because they think that it is. And so therefore they are not using that piece. Um, And so I'll say to them things like, don't put sour milk back in the refrigerator. Like they'll try on a dress in the morning to go to work and be like, oh, I hate this dress and then hang it up and put it right back in the closet. So it's like, no, don't put the sour milk back in the refrigerator. There's a reason why you don't keep wearing that. So um, so that's one tip that I use a lot is, you know, the question is the answer. So if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. You know, if you don't want to wear that thing out of the store because you love it so much. Um, another question that's on that card, the wallet card that I mentioned from Sarah Von Bargain that I really love is, um, if I didn't know the price of this, how much would I be willing to pay for it? So Mm -hmm. I do that a lot before I check a price tag. I look at something like, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful sweater. Like I would pay, I don't know, $75 for this sweater. And then you look at the price tag and it's 35. It's like, oh wow. You know, versus, I would pay, I don't know, $10 for this. And you look at the price tag and it's 40, you know, it's like, well, okay, no. So, um, or another great question, kind of the reverse of that is if you have something in your own closet, what would you be willing to pay to replace? If you had to replace that, how much would you be willing to pay? And a lot of people, like, as soon as I ask them that question, they're like, nothing, I would pay nothing to replace this. So those are some nice little kind of tricks because I tell people a lot of times that they're not going to be as ruthless with themselves as I'm going to be with them asking them these questions. So it is really helpful to have a little arsenal of kind of tough love questions when you um, find yourself maybe not letting go of as much as you think you should. I think that's really funny because Lindsay and I did a decluttering of my closet last year when I started my own business and I finally was able to get rid of all of the workwear that was, to be honest, just depressing to me. (laughs) And I did quite a lot of cutting. I think I cut my wardrobe in half Mm -hmm. and I talked to her recently and I said, remember all of those things that I wasn't ready to get rid of last year? I'm now getting rid of this year because I felt like I was giving – I was getting rid of so many things. But now a year later, seeing those things in my closet, I'm so much further away from Mm -hmm. that place that I was in that I just don't want them anymore. Yeah. I experienced something really similar. You know, I was the executive director of a nonprofit. So my clothes were pretty corporate. Um, I had kind of like a Barbara Bush wardrobe, you know, like the black (laughs) sheath dresses and the pearls. And my job now is a lot, is a lot more casual. Um, And so but I held on to a lot of those things for until very recently, like even like six months ago, I still had a couple of those Barbara Bush dresses because I had this sort of inner practical person in me saying, but it's a perfectly good black dress. And why would you let go of something like that? And you might wear that someday. All the things that I hear my clients say all the time. Um, and I think it was just a little piece of me that wasn't sort of accepting of the fact that like, no, you've left that piece of your life behind. Like, it's okay. Like you can move on. Um, But yeah, I think that's, and I think it's natural, you know, I never am going to force a client to be like, come on, you don't work at that place anymore. Get rid of it. It it takes time. And so it's just okay to be gentle with yourself and recognize that. Yeah. And I think it's also a matter of practicing like non-attachment, just like the way you would practice meditation or something. I think that non-attachment, you know, has a place too that we need to practice because ultimately like you can have all these things in your life that will end up weighing you down. So you have to continuously practice like kind of giving up that emotional attachment that you Mm -hmm. have to items and kind of like Mm recentering yourself. But I also want to talk a little bit about productivity because I know you work with clients on that. Can you speak about the work that you do on productivity with your clients? Yeah. So productivity is huge because you know, with the KonMari, there's this sort of major event that happens, which is this major decluttering event that we're doing together. But then productivity is really what keeps it all alive. Because productivity is really just about the daily habits that you have in place to keep that simple life that you, you know, that you've worked so hard to achieve. And so, um, that's where I really kind of hone in with my clients and help them build really good routines, you know, to kind of 
because this is it's life changing magic, yes, but it's also major behavior change. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, the, there's like you know, there's the saying like if you want to change your life, you have to change your life. And so I'm working with people to change like pretty ingrained habits. So some of my favorite um, things to teach people are just to keep things really simple. Like, so for example, I always, and it's been, I've been talking about this a lot in my daily emails that I'm sending during the crisis is just pick your daily big three, like pick the three things that you need to get done every, each day. Um, I love Amy Porterfield. Um, she has her staff pick their daily big three the night before. They all have the same planner that she uses, the same planner that I do. They have to send a picture of it to each other to um, have accountability. And then ideally you want to get those three things done um, first thing in the morning, if possible, but if that's not when your peak time is, but in in theory, you want those three things to be the first three things that you get done before you get sidetracked by the news, before you get sidetracked by your emails, before you get sidetracked by meetings and all of that. So that's kind of um, one of the biggest tips that I say. And then the second one I say is teaching people how to say no a lot. (laughs) Um, I really try to teach people for no to be kind of their default answer um, 99.9% of the time. So no to certain things coming into your home, no to certain commitments. Um, You know, one of my favorite sayings of all time is from Brene Brown, and she talks about um, choose discomfort over resentment. And so I teach my clients that all the time about learning to say no in the moment and choosing the discomfort of saying that to avoid the resentment later when you've taken on more than you can handle. Um, So I'll stop there, but those are kind of like two big ones that I'm always working with my clients. That's so amazing. So are these three things something big, like big projects that they want to get done for the day? Or is it just small things like make myself a tea in the morning? Yeah. So um, when I think about the big three, I usually think about them being sort of tasks related to big projects that you're trying to complete, or it could just be something that's really urgent for that day. So you've probably heard, um, I think it was Stephen Covey that talked about big rocks where, you know, if you have a vase and you have rocks and pebbles and sand, if you put all the sand and the pebbles in first, you can't fit the big rocks in. So the whole idea is to put your big rocks in first. So you really want to kind of, um, your big rocks are going to change all the time, but at any point in time, you're going to have Um, big rocks that you're working on in your life, right? So those three daily things that you're doing every day, hopefully will be related to those big rocks. So say it's like right now you've got a kitchen renovation going on, you know, you're launching a podcast, and you're trying to find a daycare for your son. Those are kind of three big projects that you're working on. You want to make sure that each day you have a task that you're doing that's moving those big projects forward so that your day isn't filled with all those sand and pebbles. And you feel like, oh, I got to the end of the day, and I didn't do a single thing related to the podcast or the renovation, or the daycare, and those are the three things that are kind of keeping me up at night. Um, The other thing with the tea and things like that, definitely that's kind of more like self-care rituals and things like that, which are absolutely important, but the daily big three, I'm thinking about a little bit more as sort of the cut and dry tasks that are really important to get done. Definitely, like things that will move the needle forward. I absolutely love that analogy of the rocks. Um, I'm also wondering, what is your format for someone who wants to create a really good routine? You know, it's not as much format as just really asking a lot of questions about sort of, it's like um, the five whys, I'm sure. Like, why do you want to do that? What time do you want to do that? You know, I'm my own little Petri dish where I'm always experimenting and trying to figure things out really getting to that question of fun and easy versus the shoulds. Like I've been talking about the shoulds a lot in my emails lately, like we should meditate and we should exercise and we should eat right. And we should go to bed on time and we should read. And we, you know, there's so many shoulds, but it's like, okay, but let's talk about what's fun and easy for you. What do you want to do? Do you want to walk inside or do you want to get on the treadmill? Do you want to meditate or do you want to, you know, really kind of, helping people get away from the shoulds, focusing more on what would be fun and easy for them, and then letting them have quick wins. So let's not try to build seven new habits at a time. Let's get you successful at meditating for two weeks, 
and then add on another one. So it's a really sort of, you know, one of the things that I love about Gretchen Rubin, who I mentioned earlier, is she's got this awesome framework called The Four Tendencies. And um, she has a book where she introduced it called Better Than Before. And then she has a second book where she dives much deeper into the actual tendencies. Yes, um, but- we're reading that currently for Ooh. the Flourish and Book Club. So oh. That's our April book is The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Oh, perfect. Amanda, you need to join our book club. Are you in our book club? Well, I was actually there the day that it was sort of being um, born, but then all of this kind of happened, so I haven't really been able to do Are you guys doing it virtually now? We are. Oh, good. Okay, good. Oh, yes. We'll have to send um, you some information on it so that you know when it's happening and stuff. Okay, perfect. Yeah. It's in our online community between meetings, and then our meeting is the first Thursday of every month at 11 a.m. So we're doing a Google Hangout session for now for the virtual meetings. Awesome. Oh, great. That's so great. Absolutely. But we love guys- Gretchen Rubin. She's amazing. I know. I, I got a chance. One of my biggest geek out moments in my life was that I had I got a chance to have breakfast one-on-one with her. Um, we were both in Texas at the same time speaking at a conference, and I got to spend some time with her one-on-one. It was a thrill. Oh, so cool. Yeah. So you guys know exactly what I'm talking about with the four tendencies. And that's why I'm saying it's very much sort of um, customized to the person. Because like for me, for example, I'm an obliger. And so I need external accountability. So, you know, you can tell me, you know, I could tell myself till I'm blue in the face what I think I should be doing. But until I have some sort of external accountability to do that, I'm not going to get it done. So I use the tendencies a lot with my clients to figure out how we can create a structure that works really well for them. I haven't figured out. I just am starting chapter two, so I haven't yet figured out what type of tendency I am. But I think this is something that so many people struggle with is you said to say no 99% of the time, which I think is very easy when someone doesn't ask you directly. Sure, you see an ad for something and you can say very easily, that doesn't fit in my lifestyle. But then when there is that external pressure of someone asking you, and then I think coupled with the fact that it is a good opportunity makes it especially hard to say no. Something, an example that comes to mind is, well, you have your goals set for yourself and your year and you have a good opportunity that comes up that you could see benefit coming from. But if you say yes to all of those things, whether that be a board appointment or a volunteer service or anything that somebody else asks you to do as simply as coming to an event that they're hosting or supporting them or something like that, how do you have some tips that people can use to really figure out what's in that 1% and then also to corral that discomfort? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's practice. Um, you know, Brene Brown used to have, or she, she probably still does. She has like her boundaries ring and it was like three rings on this um, ring that she would wear. And she, when somebody would ask her something, or if she would be presented with an opportunity, she would, spin it three times and repeat that mantra over again, you know, choose discomfort over resentment. Um, You know, another one of my favorite books is Essentialism um, by Greg McKeown. And he really talks a lot about exactly what you were talking about. Like, you're going to come across all the time, lots of really good, really great opportunities. But you have to be so disciplined about saying no, so that you can really focus on the one thing, the one thing that you, that most lights you up, the one thing that you're most focused about, the one thing that you're most passionate about. I mean, even in my email, in my inbox, my email inbox, I'm saying no all day long because today we're getting, you know, every single email is the best guide to surviving this crisis right now. And I want to read all of them, but it's not physically possible. So I t- click delete on a lot of really good emails, or I say no to a lot of really good conferences, because I want the hell yeses. And so if it's not like, I want to leap out of my chair to do this opportunity, if it's not 100% hell yes, then I've become a lot more disciplined at saying no. And it's really hard. And it takes practice. I have a feeling that a board opportunity that I said yes to is not a hell yes. Lindsay knows what I'm talking about because I had to ask her a bunch of times, is this something that I 
And I think I, I use the word should be doing. Is this something I should do? I see value out of it. I think I will learn from it. But ultimately, even if it is a small time commitment of once a couple hours a month, it is a commitment. It is. And so I think, yeah, really paying attention to that word should, should versus want. Am I, should it, you know, I mean, a super personal example, like even when I was, I have one child and when we were, when she was about three or four and we were thinking about having another one, I just kept saying to myself, like, I should have another one. She should have a sibling. I should be able to handle this. You know, I should, I should. And never once did I use the word want. And when I realized that, I was like, whoa, I was about to bring like a human into the world, you know, like I, (laughs) I, you know, so really paying attention to that. And, you know, it's not too late. You can still get out of that board position. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was thinking, do I write an email? (laughs) You know what I'm going to (laughs) say. Yes. I feel like I need you in my life. (laughs) That's truly, I think as an entrepreneur, one of my greatest struggles, and I've said this to Lindsay and I've shared this with my community, I feel incredible right now because all of my external pressures have been removed. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to go to any meetings. I don't have to show up to places. I don't have to have meetings, you know, whether it be at Flourish or otherwise. And I have so little going on in my life right now other than the things that I choose to do every day. I just feel amazing inside and out. Yeah. So I think the trick for all of us will be um, as we come out of this to figure out how we can retain some of that simplicity and some of that sanity um, because I'm hearing from a lot of people right now that they are really enjoying that aspect of what's going on right now. So I think it's a great wake up call to people that um, you know, we were just a little too frazzled before and that it's okay um, to figure out how to rein it in, um, on the other side of this. Definitely. I think it's really funny that we're interviewing with you during this time too, because it's, a, it's when a lot of people are in their homes and thinking about starting to declutter, they have extra time, they want to organize. What, if someone is at home and listening to this podcast right now, what would you tell them? How would you guide them through doing this in their home? How would you guide them through this method, the Kamari method, for them to to be able to declutter their lives? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, I've been really careful with my audience. You know, when, when this all started happening, um, there was sort of a feeling at first that was, well, now all of a sudden you have all of this time in your house. So you've got all this free time and you should be able to declutter and organize and your house is going to be spotless. And it's like, for a lot of people, that was not the case, right? Like all of a sudden we have all of our family on top of us, our kids, we're trying to homeschool, we have jobs, we're trying to work. And it wasn't like we were just sort of donning our Martha Stewart aprons, (laughs) like just like, now we're going to have all these spotless houses. So I've been trying really hard with my people to say to them, yes, if you are in the mood, if the spirit moves you, if it's something that you want to do, absolutely take this opportunity to declutter your home. But don't feel like it's a should, right? Like, don't feel like you have to come out of this crisis with, you know, a manicured lawn and and, and a super organized house. Um, so typically with the KonMari method, um, you know, you kind of go top to bottom and you go through those five categories and you do them in order. So if somebody was thinking to themselves like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. I want to do KonMari by the text, you know, textbook. I want to go step by step by step through the method. I think that's a great way to do sort of the pure KonMari. But if you might not have that much time and you're um, interest is more just like the house is driving me nuts. I have so much that I need to do. I'm juggling so much right now. I just need to you kind of like get attack a couple of these trouble spots. That's where I would kind of break the KonMari rules a little bit and try to ask them, um, what is it that's stressing you out in your house? Is it that everything's piled on the dining room table? Is it that the pantry's a mess? Is it that you can't find anything in the freezer? Is it that you don't have anything to wear? You've worn the same leggings for seven days in a row. Like try to identify what those stressors are um, and then make a plan um, to attack those. So that's, I would say, kind of those are the two um, sort of pieces of advice that I would give to people. Do you want the full KonMari? And is that what's really exciting to you to go through that whole process, sort of soup to nuts? 
or do you really just need to attack trouble spots and get quick wins? Yeah, I think that that's awesome too, because it's something that everyone can do. Like I can right now look around my space and be aware of what is throwing me off and what's like messing up my flow and then narrow in on that one space and then do the method where I'm going through each item and assessing like, is this one item sparking me joy? Is this one item sparking me joy in this one space that's stressing me out? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, a lot of times, another thing that Gretchen Rubin says, I'm such a super fan of hers, but she also says, identify the problem. So a lot of times we'll speak in generalities and say things like, this house is a mess. And that's not always helpful. That's just kind of like a stressful way of thinking. But if it's like, okay, identify the problem. And it's like, okay, the dining room table is covered in stuff. It's like, okay, great. That is a problem that we can address in this moment, right? So get bite size, make it small into sort of digestible chunks that your brain can actually attack versus like, oh, this house is a mess, right? Definitely. That makes so much sense. And how would someone go about working with you? Do you have different ways that you work with individuals or companies? So um, in normal times, <laughs> I um, typically the way that people work with me is um, they'll we'll schedule a phone consultation. So we'll hop on the phone, they'll send me some pictures of their space, and we'll just talk about what's going on, why they've reached out, and get a sense of if we're a good fit. Um, and then we'll talk about, um, you know, kind of most people will, will say, you know what, I, I want to work with you over a period of several months, they'll buy sort of a whole package to work together. And then we'll just start um, going through the process together. And I'm working with them to build those habits. We have a whole KonMari journal that I work on with them to track their homework and their progress. Um, and then we'll work together over a period of a couple of months to um, address all of those things. These days, um, oh, I, and I also do a lot of speaking. And so people will reach out to me, similar process. We'll have a phone consultation. They'll talk to me about what's going on with their group and how I can help. And then, um, you know, I'll come and speak to their group about how to simplify life at work and at home. Um, right now, I am thinking about um, getting more virtual offerings in place. It's a tricky thing, right? Because there's just so much that's gained by being together in person when we do this work, which is pretty physical. Um, But, you know, I have a lot of clients that are like mid process right now. And I'm like chomping at the bit to know like, okay, what's happening in the pantry? How can I help? You know, so I am definitely (laughs) thinking about how I can, you know, get them on Voxer, get them on WhatsApp, get them on video. Um, So I'm definitely focusing now on keep making sure that my current clients are moving through the process as seamlessly as they can um, in these crazy times. But then also thinking about, you know, how might I work with somebody that's um, kind of new to the whole process, but could use a helping hand. So it's a little bit TBD right now. Interesting. And how, what does it look like to work with you with respect to simplifying their life outside of the physical organization more in terms of the time and priorities? Um, So a lot of that has to do with Um, you know, when I come into my client's home, a lot of times we'll just kind of sit down and talk and we'll work on the KonMari journal. We'll talk about what their, um, a big part of why we start this process is really understanding their why, you know, why do they even want to organize in the first place? Why do they even want to simplify in the first place? So we talk about sort of the vision and the life that they want to have and what they want to do and what they don't want to do. Um, And so, you know, this is all documented in their journal and then we're working together to, um, sort of identify how they're moving along towards that. So um, a lot of times I'm just working with them on, you know, so you're on that board and your kids are, you're the head of the Cub Scouts and you're the head of the Boy Scouts. And, you know, does all that make sense? And so we're having just a lot of conversations around accountability. I have, I work with them a lot on um, having like scripts with family members, (laughs) like, how to get them to stop bringing so much stuff into the house. So there's just a lot of time sitting around at a table and having a lot of conversations about how can we, um, you know, say no a lot more. I really like that too, because, you know, it sounds like a lot of the work is also not just like removing physical items, but also just removing like those unnecessary time commitments and stuff like that. So it's like multifaceted the way you can look at this method to apply it to so many different things, your business, how you're spending your free time, what you have in your home. I think it's unbelievably valuable for people to, you know, practice this and, you know, do this in their life. I think it is awesome. Um, 
what kind of what resources can you offer to the audience that have like helped you or you know that you really love I know you mentioned Gretchen Rubin and Brene Brown are there any other books or podcasts that you listen to often um, so you guys know I love Atomic Habits, which I know is the first book on your book club. I love that book. Um, I especially love the concept in that book about friction and really thinking about how to build better habits by, you know, if you want to make something easier to do, it's a habit that you're trying to create and you want to remove friction from that habit. And if it's something that you want to stop doing or do less of, then you want to add friction to that habit. So I think anybody that's looking to build better habits, Atomic Habits is definitely a great book um, to check out. Um, and like I mentioned, I really love the books Essentialism and um, another book is called The One Thing. And those are really good at honing in on what those hell yeses are and learning to let go of those um not so great, uh, or really good opportunities, but just aren't those, you know, hell yeses. Um, and like I said, I'm happy to provide that fun and easy worksheet to your listeners, especially entrepreneurs, if that would be helpful for them to kind of weed out some of the things that they're doing in their business that maybe they don't need to be. That would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be amazing. We can, um, we'll link that in the show notes for everyone along with all of your information too. So people can get in contact with you and work with you too. I have one more question too. I'm wondering what is your number one productivity tip since this is something that you deal a lot with with your clients? I think it's really important to have one place where you keep all of your tasks. So whether that's a planner, like I use the um, Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt or whether it's an app, like I just discovered the Things app, which is really great for iOS and Mac users. But don't keep trying to carry around all of the stuff that you have to do in your life in like different notes and post-its and in your brain. It will drive you crazy. So the more you can get things down onto paper and into one central place, um, the better. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I was just saying to Lindsay yesterday, I was like, I wrote my to-do list on paper and for whatever reason, I feel like that is working better for me than having it like in my computer. So I just, that's so funny that you say that because it's just so relevant to literally our conversation that we were having yesterday. Yeah. And sometimes it's a hybrid. Like I kind of have a big master to-do list that's in things, which is the to-do list that the app that I use, but then every day in my planner, I'm writing down, okay, here's my daily big three. And then here's the other things. Um, that that I'm going to work on that day. So you can do both. You don't have to choose. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, I'm Where so happy. Yeah, I'm so happy that we got the chance to interview with you. I feel like this was so valuable. So can you share with everyone where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at indigoorganizing.com. Um, I typically blog there about every other week, but right now I'm actually sending emails every single day, Monday through Friday, with really great bite-sized tips to help people weather this current storm. So you can go there to sign up for those. And there's even a page where I have kind of all the back um, emails so that you can catch up on those. And I'm on Instagram at indigo um, underscore organizing. That's awesome. I feel like everyone could definitely use that right now. Yeah. Thank you, Amanda, so, so much for joining us. We so appreciate you sharing your value and wisdom with our audience and listeners. I hope you have an amazing day and good luck with all, all of this. Thank you, guys. It was so much fun. This was so much fun. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. All right. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in on this episode. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We would love that. It helps tremendously. It's the number one thing that you can do to share a little bit of appreciation. Make sure that you include your social handle in your review so that we can give you a shout out and make sure that you screenshot and DM us at Flourish Westchester so that you can let us know that you've entered and we can give you our giveaway. We are giving away one month free at Flourish Coworking Space in Westchester so you can enjoy the lush, sustainable space that's inspiring, the perfect place to come co-work with us, and you'll get that for free. 
by leaving a review. We'll pick a winner and let y'all know within the first couple weeks of the episodes dropping who the winner is. And you can find me, Laura D. Francesco, at Laura M. D. Francesco. Find Lindsay at Sweet Green Soul. And you can find Casey at Casey Flu. And of course, Flourish at Flourish Westchester. You can find everything in the show notes. We hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for tuning in. Hey everyone, we have such an exciting announcement. We are hosting the first ever Flourish Coworking Space Business Bootcamp. We have such a stacked lineup. It will be for three Wednesday evenings in May from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern, and we will be meeting virtually on May 13th. We'll be talking about business planning and leadership management. On May 20th, we'll be talking about marketing, sales, and strategy. And May 27th, we'll be talking about business, financials, taxes, and accounting. We hope that you join us and you can use the discount code WEGROWTOGETHER for 10% off until May 1st. We Grow Together will get you 10% off. You can bundle and save. So if you'd like to attend all three workshops, you'll get one session free and save $49. But if you can't and you just want to choose one or two of those, you can still use the code We Grow Together until May 1st to get 10% off. We will have all the information linked in the show notes. We hope that you join us. And if you didn't know and you've missed prior workshops. You can always find those in the Flourish co-working shop that we have linked in the show notes as well. You can do either the social media management workshop or the money management workshop. And if you're unable to attend the sessions that you sign up for, you will always have access to the video and you can even sign up for them after or get them after in the Flourish shop. So we hope to see you there and we hope you join us. Dean Street Law is our sister company. I'm Laura Francesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com, and you can also find us on Instagram at deanstreetlaw. We provide a lot of free information, and always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys.